So Money episode 246, Mimi Icon. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hi, everyone. Happy Monday and welcome to another episode of So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today's guest considers herself a global citizen and documents her travels in fashion through a blog, a wildly successful YouTube channel, and popular Instagram account. She's just shy of a million followers. Her name is Mimi Icon. She's the co-founder of Luxie Hair and, as I said, a YouTube sensation. Her social media platforms operate all under the same name. Specifically on her YouTube channel, she documents tutorials from her morning routine to her evening routine to her favorite outfits to how to clean out your closet. Before becoming a successful entrepreneur, Mimi dropped out of the international business program at Seneca College and later became a certified image consultant. Three takeaways from our interview, how Mimi leveraged YouTube to start a business, how her family made ends meet moving from Azerbaijan to Canada when she was just 16 years old, the life lessons that experience gave her, and quitting college after her second year and why she's proud of it. Here is Mimi Icon. Mimi Icon, welcome to So Money, my first YouTube star. <laughs> Hi, Farnoosh. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today with you. Well, it is our pleasure. And I have to say, I just got off YouTube watching one of your videos. You're very, <laughs> you're extremely popular online through social media, particularly your YouTube platform. Just finished watching a video of you and your, um, your husband, is it? Yeah, Alex is my husband Alex. And partner in business as well. And you were just showing your evening routine. You like to take a walk after dinner, which I do with my husband, Tim, as well, and our baby. It's a very nice way to kind of di- you know digest your food and mm-hmm. like just do something that's unwinding. And you kind of walk through all the different steps very simply. Like you don't have this elaborate evening unwinding, but it got hundreds and hundreds and thousands of <laughs> views. And then I have yet to watch your morning routine, which has one and a half million views. What do you think is so captivating about something so simple as capturing your your morning routine, your evening routine on YouTube. Um, give us a little bit of the zeitgeist of the YouTube viewer. So maybe if any of us want to start a YouTube channel, we can be successful. Yeah, of course. Um, I think just in general, YouTube is such an amazing platform to use, regardless of what it is that you're doing in life, regardless of what business you have, I believe everyone should be on YouTube. And I'm surprised, Farnoosh, you're not, because before I came on the podcast today, I checked out your channel and I saw that there's only one video. So I thought, I'm definitely going to talk to you about this. You got to be on YouTube. I know. Um, There's so many things. It's like, where do I put my energy? So yeah, give me the pitch. Why should I be on YouTube? I mean, just to talk about, you know, the business that we've been able to start um, which is Luxie Hair, which is one of our main businesses. We, the only marketing we used for the first three years of the business was just the YouTube channel we had. And the YouTube channel is a very uh, natural, organic way where we would just 
when we just use the product and show how to use the product and we wouldn't even sell it or we wouldn't, it wouldn't be like a, you know, direct selling where we would say, Oh, you got to buy this product. It would just be very natural, organic videos showing women and girls how to use, um, hair, how to do different hair tutorials or how to use the product. And I mean, you know, the business has grown tremendously, as you can see by the numbers of our YouTube channel. And it was all because of YouTube. So we're, we're very grateful that such platform exists and that it's free for everyone to use. I mean, it's amazing. Was that always the intention was, okay, first, as part of our business strategy, we're going to go onto a platform and just get a following, find our community, cultivate them, get them to be really excited and then do a big sell. To be honest, it wasn't that strategic. It's just when we were starting the business, we were quite broke, to be honest. And we could, we didn't have the money to advertise any other way. So we thought, why not just make YouTube videos showing the product? And I am not great at selling, like direct selling. So I thought the only way I can do it is just to organically use the product in videos. I only mention it once in the video. It's in the beginning. And I just say, I'm using Luxie Hair Extensions. That's the only product mention in the whole video because that's the only way I can do it. And believe it or not, <laughs> that that's what gets people interested. I mean, if people watch the tutorial and they want to recreate the same braid and they don't have as much hair as I do in the video or the hair is not as long, they know that I've used a certain product. And if they want to get that product, they make an educated choice to go and get it. So it's not like, you know, you have to buy it. I'm not spending any time trying and actually selling them into this idea. It's just really, we deliver value through the videos and that, um, you know, returns to us in the customers. I'd love to learn more about you, mm -hmm. Mimi, your background. Your accent is beautiful. Well, I'm originally from Azerbaijan which used to be a part of USSR. So I grew up speaking Russian and Turkish and Azeri, which is the language in Azerbaijan. Oh, okay. Um, and then you moved, I understand, when you were yes. uh, about 15 to Canada. What was mm -hmm. that move all about? And, and how did it end up that you, you know, started this business from, you started kind of young, right? Venturing into this, this fashion mm -hmm. industry. Yeah, I, when we were 16, um, my parents and I moved, well, my parents and I and my sister were moved to Canada because it's just something that we always were talking to our parents. My sister and I always told our parents that we're going to move to America and they tried to get a green card or get some way to move into the U.S. However, that was very difficult at the time. So Canada was the best option. <laughs> and um, they applied for a visa and we had to wait something like three years. And after three years, one day we just got a letter and we had to pack our lives and move within a month or something like that. What did so you I feel like? How did it feel knowing that you had a month to pack up and leave? It was almost... I was I was extremely excited because again, at 16 years old, you don't have many responsibilities. I was just excited to get on a plane, fly across the world and start a new life. But I can imagine my parents must have been really stressed and freaking out because they had to, you know, say goodbye to all they know and, and are used to and start something brand new and fresh, which can be scary when you're in your late or mid thirties. And Carrie, um, how did they, what was the first thing they did when they got to Canada? What was their plan? How did they end up making a living there? Oh, it was really difficult. Uh, I mean, my parents had to work. Um, they had to start from zero because the education they had um, from Azerbaijan, it, it, it doesn't really make any difference whether you have that or not. Once you're in Canada, you still have to go back to school and honor the education you have. And when you're just 
arriving in a country, all you have to do is make some money to pay for the bills and for the rent because you're now renting a place in order to buy. Um, you, you'd need a big chunk of money as an investment to put down for a mortgage. So my, my dad was just working as a security, um, you know, going from like a really prestigious, he was working at BP before and like had an amazing job and like starting at zero and going back and like starting from nothing. And, you know, my mom had to do odd jobs and eventually, you know, year after year, they, they now have great jobs and they love what they do. However, it took like over 10 years to get to this place. Um, yeah, so that, that's how we moved to Canada. I mean, I, I feel really grateful that they, they made such a sacrifice for my sister and I. You went to college and then uh-huh. you left. It was in my second year. <laughs> I always say I'm a proud college dropout because I, I truly believe that education is important. However, it's not something that you necessarily need to go to school for, especially if it's something like international business. That's what I was doing in college. And in my second year, I had to take accounting. And um, at the time, I was working at a bank, at a restaurant, and going to school full time. And I remember in my first or second class, I was just sitting there and thinking, all right, so if I'm going to pass this course, I really will need to get some extra, you know, tutoring. I was just very realistic about my situation. And I just didn't have the time. I had to work to help support myself and my parents because I was paying my, you know, myself through the school. And I just realized, you know what, if I'm not going to pass the county, I can't get this, you know, the diploma, this degree for this college education. So I'm just going to drop out. And if I start a business one day, I'll just get somebody to do my accounting. <laughs> and that's exactly and what that's I have. And that's what though. you've done. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about your business, what was the impetus for Luxie Hair? Uh, and I understand you went from selling services to selling products. What was that shift like? Right. Very, very different. I mean, um, the first business I had was uh, doing image consulting. Um, sort of like fashion styling. So it's very different because image consulting is when you work with people and you, let's say you go into their home and you do this whole makeover and you go shopping with them or for them. And then I would do fashion styling, which is styling photo shoots for, um, magazines or for different brands or for a bank, you know, could be commercial photo shoots as well. So. I really enjoyed doing that. However, I I understood that when you have a service business, it's like the business still owns you. It's still like working for somebody as opposed to having a product business now that I have a product business. So within the first um, year of the business, I realized it's not something that I want to do long term because I want to have the, I always wanted to have a freedom of time and space, meaning that I can go anywhere I want to be and not be constrained to one physical space. It was one of my biggest values. And I just remember sharing that with Alex um, when I became aware of that. And he felt the same way. And at the same time, we were getting married and I was looking for hair extensions. And I bought something. I came home, put it on, and it was extremely unsatisfying, horrific product. It didn't look real in my hair. And I just remember feeling uh, miserable because I spent all this money. And like I mentioned before, I was quite tight on money back then anyways. So I just remember complaining to Alex and my sister and saying, you know, this is such a waste of money. And now I'm, you know, I'm not going to have long and beautiful hair for our wedding. And Alex just looked at me and said, what's hair extensions? I've never heard of this. Tell me more. This is so exciting. (laughs) So I just opened the laptop and started showing him all these YouTube videos of girls who, you know, had the before and after videos and examples. And 
he just became really excited because he realized that such an emotional, impactful product where, you know, you can go from short hair to long hair. It's so dramatic and it's so emotional. It can do so well visually, like, and creatively. There's just so much to do with this product. And, um, he said, why don't we do it? Then we just, my sister and I laughed at him, but then we, we could see that he's actually serious. And the more we talked about it, we actually realized that it, it would be a great, niche. I mean, we just realized that there's a huge demand for affordable yet great quality hair extensions and salons offered that at the time. However, it was very expensive. So if you go online, it's like you cut the middleman and you sell the same thing salons sell for like 600 to a thousand for a fraction of the price, which at the time we were selling for like $130. I have to say, I, I spent about $130 on my hair extensions for my wedding. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to be there. I, I don't know, Mimi, I, I, mm-hmm. I love hair extensions, but I feel like sometimes there's a um, like a stigma, like, oh, that's not yeah. your real hair. Yeah. And sometimes you can go, you can overdo it and you just don't look like yourself when mm-hmm. you <laughs> have like an extra pound of hair. Um, <laughs> so I was hesitant, but I went for it and I have to say, I uh-huh. felt so beautiful. I felt, mm-hmm. um, I felt myself and nobody could tell the difference. It, you know, exactly. there's a way to do it where it really just looks and feels like you. And, and you got clip and hair extensions yes, as well, right? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. They matched my yeah. hair color. It wasn't, I wasn't going for a longer look necessarily, necessarily, but just mm-hmm. a fuller look and one that would last all through the reception and I wouldn't have to worry about my hair, you know, getting all just exactly uh, <laughs> frizzy and all that ugly stuff for your wedding photos. So <laughs> totally I totally get what you're doing. I think it's genius. Yeah. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about um, going back to YouTube for a second? Of course. The, mm-hmm. How you produce the show, the quality is really great. So while there is this obsession on YouTube to watch everything from like homemade videos, cat videos, babies talking gibberish, your videos are gorgeous. So is, is that important in terms of the, like what your viewers now expect from you? And is that part of the success? I believe it definitely is part of the success. However, when we started, I would shoot videos on my laptop, just so you know. So um, I still believe it's important to start. However, it's a lot more competitive now as opposed to, you know, five years ago when we started making YouTube videos. We were one of the first on YouTube to get DSLR cameras. And I definitely feel like that put us ahead of the pack. Then everyone started getting them. They're more affordable now. And it's kind of the expectation on YouTube. And I definitely believe that quality is important. However, it's a fine line because you never wanted to make a YouTube video look like television. You got to keep it real. It's important to have good lighting in your videos. And it's important now, of course, to use DSLR as opposed to just filming on your laptop. But I think it's important not to overdo the quality. You never want it to look too professional because then it's not going to be relatable, if you know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. There's an intimacy online that that is is great. You can leverage that. So um, you can make mistakes and kind of be goofy, um, show people your evening routine, your morning routine. <laughs> the intimacy is what people are looking for on YouTube, getting something from you that they wouldn't necessarily get from a polished, overproduced show on television. Let's talk about money, Mimi. You're uh-huh. a successful entrepreneur, first and foremost. What uh, is your financial philosophy? My guests always start the show with a sentence uh-huh. or two that really uh, captures their their ideals and their philosophies around money. One that perhaps has guided you through all the ups and downs starting your business. 
I have this philosophy where I believe there's abundance in the world and I truly believe there's enough for everyone. And I believe that I think it's something that, of course, through time, I became more and more aware of. But I, I came to choose to believe that money will always be there. As long as I do what I love and I do it with my heart, I will. And as long as I bring value to this world, money will always be there in abundance. So that's, I guess, in a nutshell, that's kind of my my belief when it comes to money, my philosophy. What did your parents teach you about money growing up? Was this a philosophy you always had that you carried, that you um, inherited perhaps from mom and dad or something that you learned along the way? But specifically, what was your most pivotal money memory as a kid growing up? Um, it's definitely some, something I didn't learn from my parents because growing up, we, we had very little money. <laughs> And money was always tied. And my dad was really crazy about saving, saving everything. And it's not something I enjoyed. Or, and as a child or as a kid, I always knew that's not going to be my future. I don't know. I just, I just remember thinking that as, you know, as a young child. And um, the pivotal moment, I would say, when Alex and I started dating and we would, we did Tony Robbins's program. It's called Get the Edge. I don't know if you're into Tony Robbins or if you ever, ever oh, yeah, done. He was my first program. guest on the show. Oh, wow. That's great. That's amazing. You're in good company. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's great. Um, so yeah, Get the Edge uh, program talks about doing this, um, gratitude walk. And we started doing this gratitude walk in the morning where, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, you start, you know, just being grateful for things that you have and then grateful for things that you want to manifest in life. And we would talk about all this abundance that we have in our life, which at the time we were both unemployed <laughs> and just like struggling to figure out what we want to do in life. But here we are on our gratefulness walk in the morning, talking about all this abundance that we have in our life. And slowly the reality started shifting and abundance actually started coming into our lives. And I think that probably was the pivotal moment, I would say, just realizing that actually you do have the power, the power to choose the story you want to believe. If people believe that there's not enough and they money will always be tight, then that's going to be their reality. We just made a at some point, we just made a choice to believe a different story. And ever since, that has become our reality. Mm -hmm. And I honestly have even goosebumps telling you this because it's it's the honest truth. No, I, I went to one of Tony's um, Unleash the Power Within events. Uh -huh. And he talks at the very beginning about story. And on this podcast, he's talked about changing your story. I love that he exactly. really empowers people to say, you have the choice. Yeah. Right. You, you, you control the narrative of your life, which I think is, um, extremely empowering and hopeful. So Mimi, what would you say is your biggest failure? I know that, um, in hearing you in other interviews on podcasts, mm -hmm. you've talked about how you have in the past fallen into depression, um, mm -hmm. despite the fact that you had all this time, all this money, all this freedom. So, Maybe that would transition us well into talking about something that you uh -huh. experienced that was maybe a failure or a regret. What happened? Where where were you? What did you learn? My biggest failure. Wow. <laughs> I did not expect that. I should have expected. I don't know why I didn't. Um, you know, I am I choose to look at life um in a very positive way. So for me it's hard to even think of anything as a failure because I feel like anything that happens to in our lives is a lesson and it's teaching us something. 
So I think I really have to think hard about this one because it's like I've almost retrained my brain not to think of anything as a failure. Um, in general, I feel like I can tell you one of my challenges or like downfalls as a human being is still being hard on myself and not giving myself enough um, credit for the things I do. So would that consider yeah. a failure? Can you give us an example? How does it come up in your life? And, and do you recognize well, it when you do it so, so often I perhaps? I feel like other people point it out to me more than I recognize it sometimes. Like I always feel like every day I wake up, I feel like I started zero. I think that's a great thing because it's like I'm always in the hustle and I always feel like I'm learning something new and I'm, it's just, I always feel like I'm a student. Like I never feel like I've achieved anything. Like I, I, I don't know. Other people tell me that, but I don't feel that. So my friends would say like, that's crazy. Like you should pat yourself on the back and be like, this is great. I've been able to achieve so much in such a short period of time. But for me, it's like, I always feel like there's so much more I want to do. And there's so much more I need to strive for. And there's so many other things I'd like to expand into that I, I, I always look forward and not necessarily am present and grateful. I mean, that would be the right word. Even though I feel like I am for many things, I still feel like I'm very hard on myself and I don't appreciate sometimes the hard work that I do put mm -hmm. into well, I, making myself I mean, the way. Yeah, I can definitely relate. And I think a lot of people who are hardworking and aspirational and ambitious yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. That's a, that's an underlying theme is like, we're constantly looking for the next thing, the next yeah. thing, the next thing. But yeah, I agree. You have to take time to smell the roses, right? And exactly. appreciate what's yeah. under your nose. Yeah. It's very important. So it's something I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> what is your so money moment, Mimi? This is a time in your life that you felt you really achieved financial greatness. Mm -hmm. What happened and what did you learn? It happened quite fast, I would say when we started the business, we became quite profitable very, very fast. And I know that doesn't happen a lot because I, again, I had a year of business school and I know the stats. So I just, you know, I remember thinking like, wow, this is amazing. I can afford anything I want in my life. I can travel. And I also, we also had freedom of time because we have an online business and we could still work when we're traveling. So that was the soul money moment, I guess, just achieving the dream that we always had. Now that came with other realizations, but you know, it was still, it was still a very sweet moment. I would say in our, in our, on my journey. What's your number one habit, Mimi, a financial habit that helps you make sure that you stay profitable and that you're spending in a way that aligns with your values and that, uh, you know, that you're growing financially. My number one habit would be to create value, constantly create value. I believe that if you create value, you will be rewarded with abundance, aka money. <laughs> so for me, it's like, I, I'm not, I'm never focused on numbers and how I can make more. In fact, like in our business and in our, like with our team, we never talk about money. We just say, or whenever we talk about numbers, like, oh, we got to increase sales. We never have these conversations. And to them, sometimes it's weird if they just join our company because that's what most other companies do. And instead, we just focus on how can we bring more value to our customers. And I, I feel the same way. Like when I think about what I want to do, other business ventures, I always think, how can I bring more value? And money comes. 
And what is next for you as someone who's always looking ahead and you mentioned your next, you know, looking to your next venture, what are you going to graduate to next? Um, right now I am working at a project that I've been working on for over a year and it's, it's been a bit difficult because we're trying to create something that is new and doesn't exist yet. <laughs> I can't give you too much information because my, my philosophy is also like talk less, do more. Um, it's to do with fashion. So I can say that. And, um, yeah, that's all I, I'm able to share at the moment. However, we're still in the, in the works and I'm very, very excited about what's to come. It's it's a big challenge, but it's it's something that I'm very excited about. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll have to keep an eye on you for that. We'll have to keep watching yeah. YouTube for updates. I know. <laughs> well, uh, Mimi, are you ready for some So Money Fill in the Blanks? Absolutely. This is where I start a sentence uh-huh. and you finish it. Okay. All right. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say you were gifted $100 million, the first thing I would do is... I honestly think that I would continue doing the exact things I'm doing. I would just be more proactive in giving more. I would, um, you know, there are certain projects that I really want to work on, such as, you know, being more active with animals and orphanages. So I would just, this would push me more into the direction of giving more and be more proactive and having less excuses. Well, I have to grow the business. I don't have so much time to focus on the giving. So this would allow me to just relax more and be more proactive in the, in the giving projects that I want to work in. We'll talk about charity in a second, but before we Mm -hmm. get to that, what is the one thing that you spend on that makes your life easier or better? Um, definitely a cleaner. <laughs> it's something I really, um, do not enjoy <laughs> and it makes my life a lot easier. So it's, it's the best money spent, I would say. And where do you live with, uh, your husband now? We live in London, UK. And I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. I saw your flat and I thought, oh, that looks very European. <laughs> well, yes. my biggest splurge that I spend a lot of money on, but I wouldn't have it any other way is... Organic food. (laughs) You are what you eat. And I I think that's, that's what everyone should be spending money. If anything is worth it is the food that you consume, because like I said, you are what you consume. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely worth it in my opinion. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up as a kid is. Hmm. I would say have a better relationship with it. Um, it's something that I had to learn myself through surrounding myself with virtual mentors like Tony Robbins and many other great minds. It's to have a positive relationship with money, to believe that money is abundance and it's it's plentiful and not have a scarcity mindset. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's so important because um, we talk about that on the show quite a bit, actually, uh-huh. because there are many people who combat that consciously. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty common thing. Yeah. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because? Um, I wouldn't say just one thing, but I, I give a little bit here and there to different charities. Um, I'm like younger kids are very dear and near to my heart because I believe that's our future and we really need to support them, whether through mentorships or through financial uh, support. Also animals. I love animals. So just supporting that, those kind of causes. Excellent. And last but not least, I'm Mimi Icon. Such uh-huh. a great name. <laughs> I'm so money because? 
because of the relationship I have with money. It's um, I have a very we're friends. <laughs> we're very we're good buddies. <laughs> you know, I used so. to ask guests about that specifically. What is your relationship with money? Mm-hmm. And I maybe should start asking that more specifically again. I think it's very important for Nush. I think it is. I think that's that's the main reason why people don't have enough money. It's the beliefs they have around what it means to them. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Okay, you've just you've just changed the format of my show again. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, Mimi yeah, Icon, for all your inspiring advice and the the body of your work is in and of itself extremely captivating and exciting. And I look forward to sharing you with our audience and going back on YouTube and, and stalking you. Thank you for <laughs> feeding it's our a, psyche with your um incredibly simple but successful videos. I really appreciate that, Farnoosh. And thank you again so much for having me on your show. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And I, I, I'm really enjoying your podcast. I've listened to a few episodes and I'm looking forward to learn more and, you know, find out more about other interesting, exciting minds. Oh, thank you so much. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Mimi, her website, MimiIcon.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at MimiIcon. We've got all this info at SoMoneyPodcast.com along with the transcript and comments. And I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money or work or life or guests at SoMoneyPodcast.com. And there is a very good chance that I will answer it this weekend. And if you'd like to give the show a shout out or send me a question quickly, hop on to Twitter at Farnoosh and use the hashtag SoMoney. Thanks again to my guest Mimi Icon and to all of you for tuning in. Hope your day is so money.